Shopify grows your business no matter how far or big you grow. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your fans' next favorite shirt or an exclusive piece of podcast merch, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Welcome back to the Neurodiverging Podcast. My name is Danielle Sullivan, and I'm your host. Today, I'm here with Rosemary Richings, who is a writer, editor, author, and public speaker specializing in the topic of neurodiversity and disability. Rosemary lives with dyspraxia, which is a condition associated with difficulty in performing coordinated movements. And so a lot of her advocacy and freelance work is around accessibility and is rooted in her experience of dyspraxia. I think dyspraxia is one of those aspects of neurodivergent. A lot of us deal with it, but it is drastically underdiagnosed in my opinion. And so I'm very excited to um, give you this information from Rosemary and provide you this resource today. Before we dive into our interview, I just want to thank my patrons for supporting this podcast and Rosemary for donating her time for it. Patrons, we really appreciate you. You make the wheels turn over here and we wouldn't be able to do this podcast without you. If you're interested in becoming a friend of the show or a patron, please check us out at patreon.com slash neurodiverging. Patreon is just a way to give a couple of bucks a month to support projects that you think are important in the world. And in return, you get some great perks back. So patreon.com slash neurodiverging. So Rosemary Richings is the co-founder of Dyspraxic Alliance, which is a support group run by dyspraxia advocates who are dedicated to providing support, advice, online safety, advocacy, and more. The group's mission is to welcome and unite anyone who is looking for dyspraxia support and advice. Please check out their link in the show notes. The link to the show notes is below. Rosemary uses her experience in the neurodiversity activism communities to better inform her work, as she is always taking into consideration the needs and interests of the communities she interacts with on a regular basis. Rosemary also recently published a book. Congratulations to Rosemary. It's called Stumbling Through Space and Time. There is a link to how to purchase her book and more information about it in the show notes as well. Without further ado, welcome to Rosemary Richings. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome, Rosemary, to the Neurodiverging Podcast. I'm so pleased to have you here today. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm so I was so glad to get your pitch. So I know that you are an advocate for neurodiversity in general, but specifically for dyspraxia. And that is something we have not talked about on the podcast enough for how common and I think misunderstood it is. So I'm really excited to talk to you today about your experience with it. Yeah, it's very much sort of the misunderstood sibling of this whole sort of bubble of conditions. So yeah, it's always good to get it out there for sure. Yeah, I kind of suspect that as we're talking about it, a lot of the listeners will be like, oh, this sounds familiar. Would you mind just get kind of getting us started with a little bit about um, who you are and your experience with, with dyspraxia, but also in general? Yeah, so uh, I am a freelance writer, editor, public speaker. Um, I work in the area of neurodiversity and disability, basically on making resources and editorial content both accessible, but also not tone deaf to all the elements of uh, inclusive language and uh, disability related issues and experiences and things like that. But I am also an author of Stumbling Through Space and Time. Living Life with Dyspraxia, which is an educational resource that uses stories from my own life as a dyspraxic person as well to try and help people understand in very simple language what that actually means. We'll have a link to Rosemary's book in the show notes, so you should check it out. I was able to read a couple of excerpts from it, and I found it really really educational, but also just the way that you laid out your life experience. I'm I'm somebody who reads a lot of lived experience kind of memoirs, but it, it really did give a good indication, I think, of how a lot of our experiences with dyspraxia can be. So I do I do recommend it if folks are interested as we're talking. But would you mind kind of giving a summary of what dyspraxia is? I have seen it referred to, I've talked to OTs who say one thing, and neuropsychs say another thing, and then folks with lived experience of it who say another thing. What's your take on how would you define dyspraxia or talk about it with others? Well, it's a coordination of movement condition. Basically, it is a wire in the brain for uh, all the different complex movements we do every day in terms of uh, moving through our space, moving through our environment, figuring out motor skills uh, and all those sorts of things and just uh, getting a general judgment of the limitations of our own environments. Thank you. I I think um, I've seen it referred to as kind of a, a piece of the larger uh, sensory processing disorder or sensory integration disorder uh, complex, I guess, because um, SPD can look like so many things, but yeah. specifically where your body is in space and like knowing where you are. You may hear in the background, I'm sorry, listeners, um, we have a sensory swing downstairs for one of my children who is dyspraxic and I can hear them on it and I need to WD-40 it. So Rosemary, if you hear a horrible noise, I'm sorry about that. I'll try to edit it out. Um, but one of my I'm children- i used to all the good stimming. So. I know. We <laughs> I are a stim-friendly household. I would never <laughs> tell them not to use their swing, right? But yeah, um, <laughs> yeah I, one of my children is formally diagnosed dyspraxic. And one of my kids is probably, but we haven't done the formal- thing yet. I know it is comorbid with a lot of other neurodivergences like, you know, autism, ADHD. Um, I've met folks with borderline who are also dyspraxic. I've met folks with just larger SPD traits who are also dyspraxic. 
and and then I think I think it exists in neurotypical individuals as well. If I'm not wrong, I will find out and put a link in the show notes about that. But it's I would say maybe a widely not misunderstood, but not widely known about. Has that been your experience? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm used to basically all circles. I I go into all things that I'm asked to work on to to really have to like describe it in detail it wasn't really until much later in my life that I started to like actually know other dyspraxics and like come across OTs and medical practitioners Mm -hmm. and such that like actually understood it yeah so what is sort of your lived experience of dyspraxia what are some of the challenges you have or things you notice that seem to be different from the way your body works compared to other folks Yeah, I mean, for me, uh, I was diagnosed really young. So Mm -hmm. a lot really had to do with the complexities of people only seeing a portion of the picture. Mm -hmm. Like, um, they only saw a portion of picture in the sense that I would describe all these things that were going on with me, and they wouldn't fully see it for what it is. Um, And I think the only reason despite that I was able to get a diagnosis was because my dad is English and he immigrated to Canada before I was born and so he still had some connections within England and uh, got a hold of some relevant resources and that was really what unlocked us being able to like put a word on it in general. Yeah what were the some of the things that were happening for you that made your parents seek diagnosis for me it was early on it was things like I was reaching um, a lot of milestones a lot slower like uh, learning how to walk learning how to ride a bike learning how to dress myself things like that and although my dad often compares it to an incident where I fell down the stairs and they were starting to see that perhaps there was some control with uh, my coordination issues that could be something much much bigger than that And are there other sort of traits or symptoms associated with dyspraxia that you're aware of besides sort of the, I've often seen it referred to as like clumsy child syndrome. I'm making air quotes listeners because it's not a great name, (laughs) but um, what are some other traits that are associated with dyspraxia? Yeah, a lot of it is about, yeah, like I said, navigating through your environment. There's a delay in understanding that if If you're in a crowd and one person turns right, you might need to turn left or getting easily overwhelmed by having to take in a lot of sensory details or uh, navigation wise, easily getting the concept of left and right or up and down really easily mixed up. And motor skills, I find, is a very confused term. And examples of that include like, team sports, tying your shoelaces, basic grooming activities, things like that. Yeah. I was thinking about a couple of clients I have who are autistic or ADHD and are trying to learn how to drive and have reported difficulties, you know, paying attention to all the sensory stimuli and telling their right from left and figuring out how to copy what other people are doing with their gestures. And I I know that that can sometimes be, I mean, can be an aspect of several different neurodivergences but I've seen it in a couple of dyspraxics too oh yeah no no I mean I mean I admittedly I always say this openly so to help people if other people feeling less shame about this but 
I'm in my 30s and I still don't drive because um, I never had an accessible environment to learn or anywhere where like I felt I could comfortably learn and people would understand my issues. And I hear about um, situations in the UK of how there are some driving schools where you can go and they're actually like formally trained in uh, learning difficulties. And the concept of that is just amazing to me. I really want to see that spread more widely. Yeah, I, I would love to see that for a flirt. We have some of that in big cities in the United States, but I haven't seen it. And like, I live in a suburban area now and there's no really great accessibility option for anyone who doesn't learn to drive in sort of the traditional from teenage years to young adult years way. And it's a it's a real shame because there's so many folks who could very much um, be good drivers if they had those supports available to them. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. What motivated you to actually write your book about your experiences? Yeah, a lot was just based on the fact that I'd gone so many years having no real sense of uh, community in terms of other dyspraxics around me. Mm -hmm. And it was just really lonely uh, feeling like I always had to be my own educator everywhere I went to get any kind of support. Uh, So it was always in the back of my head that one day I wanted to just like write it out and explain it. But I never knew for sure where that would go if I hadn't had uh, the mentorship uh, and support that I had through writing groups and also a mentor that I worked with early on, then I would never have been able to finish it because it was so hard to put all these like really personal experiences into words. Yeah. What's the reception been like since you put the book out? It's done really well with um, a lot of parents of recently diagnosed people. I've had people reach out to me on social media and say that it's been really comforting for them. And um, I've had a lot of adult diagnoses as well uh, say something quite similar. And that's been great because that's very much what I was going for because I was just really, really frustrated that like most of the books on this subject were written in medical language or by doctors or stuff like that which has its value but like if you're just an average person getting to know this then like that's very overwhelming to read absolutely very difficult yeah yeah when my kiddo was diagnosed um I knew a bit about dyspraxia but not you know I'm not a medical professional I'm not 
medically trained. I'm not um, trained as an OT. Like there are some specialists who have a lot of training in motor coordination and the nervous system and all these things and trying to find resources that were accessible, that I could understand, that wasn't me digging through research papers that I found on PubMed or whatever, was really challenging. And especially resources for adults. Um, like My child's a child, obviously, but whenever I have a client <laughs> who is saying things that I'm like, maybe you wanna check in with an OT, I can refer them to an OT, but if they don't have access to an OT, um, I'm really excited your book exists because now it's like, well, maybe there are resources that they can access that are not PubMeds um, or, you know, an OT that they can't afford or, or otherwise access um, because yeah. of the American medical system. So I, I completely, I mean, I, you must be more familiar with it than me, but I completely agree that there did seem to be a gap in um, and, and a need for this kind of material. Absolutely. I mean, I've really been part of a lot of my advocacy work has been around like connecting up with advocates around the world and being part of uh, peer support communities for uh, young adults and teens. And uh, I have helped out a bit with the Dyspraxia magazine as well, which like, and really, I, I didn't see anything like that up until quite recently. Yeah. Are there other resources? So you mentioned that your book, obviously, and the Dyspraxia Mag. And if you were to refer somebody to a peer support group or or a, an advocacy group that works with dyspraxia, are there specific ones that folks who are listening might want to check out? Well, the one that I'm on, on the board of, Dyspraxia, unfortunately, that's London only, mm -hmm. but Dyspraxia Alliance is good. Dyspraxia Magazine is good. Cajun Chaos. Crystal Shaw's YouTube channel, um, she was doing a lot of great work around sharing her lived experience for a while. And uh, yeah, those are really the key ones. Thank you so much. That's going to help a bunch of people. Would you be willing to talk a little bit about your advocacy? What kinds of things do you work on? Do, do you work on dyspraxia solely or on other types of neurodivergent advocacy? And what are some of the messages that you're trying to get across or information you're trying to get across to folks? Uh, well, a lot of the advocacy work is in dyspraxia. There is um, the Dyspraxic Me organization I've been doing some stuff on the board for, and uh, that's teens and young adults specifically who are dyspraxic to try to like create a strong sense of peer support. Also, just being part of creating online resources, uh, my much broader neurodiversity work, though, has been in terms of my freelance work though, that has been partnering with organizations that are looking to create more accessible workplaces and things like that, but also writing for uh, publications to try and bring light to issues in this community and help people understand neurodiversity in general and current issues around that. That's awesome. So you um, you write across a large number of publications, it sounds like. So you've yeah. accessed a lot of audience. And a bit the corporates, but yeah, as well, publications too. Yeah. That's fantastic. What are some of the messages you're trying to get across? Uh, it's largely about inclusion and also understanding what barriers are existing that don't necessarily uh, exist in neurotypical circles so that we can try and uh, create better accommodations and support 
because I'm very much responding to my early experiences where it really took me many years to understand my own condition. And I found that's the same thing with other people. So to try and fill the knowledge gaps and make a more equitable environment within workplaces and schools and other institutions as well. Lovely. Are there specific accommodations or supports that you could have used as a child that folks maybe with kids now might like to know about, you think? Yeah, I mean, I had some access to special education support from having an early diagnosis, but uh, many of them were things like uh, having an alternate environment to write like really focused tests and such. And yeah, extra time whenever necessary really clearly visually laid out specific detail-oriented dates and times about how much time things take because like uh, that is a huge issue too keeping organizing organized and understanding how much time things take so little things like developing a good system for having like a whiteboard keeping a diary of what's needed when having electronic reminders is also great. I mean, wasn't as much of a thing back then, but I find that with my freelance work, it's like amazing to be able to have all those little reminders of just a reminder tomorrow you're doing this at this time. All that goes a long way. Yeah, it makes a big difference. And what about in the workplace? Are there, it sounds like some of those translate to the workplace, like maybe time and a half or having a quiet space and certainly the reminders, at least for my workspace. Are there other things that you often recommend corporations do to become more accessible on the ground level for dyspraxics? Honestly, a lot of that stuff definitely translates. And also to a big one I'm always trying to push is more than one form of communication because it's so easy for instructions to get lost if they're not literally expressed and they're about really like complex details so that's where things can get lost and people get really lost and they don't produce their best work so just having the option of having things also written down or if someone wants a more visual representation really like asking the person what they prefer in terms of processing information. Yeah, well, thank you so much. Would you be able to tell folks a little bit more about where they can find your book and anything else about you, like your website and if you have socials? Cool. So um, my book, it's called Stumbling Through Space and Time, Living Life Dyspraxia. And uh, yeah, it's available on most major bookstore retailers. at both indie and the big ones uh but if you're not sure if it's there honestly just ask if someone has a copy or they can order a copy um yeah not uh there's of course my website which is my first and my last name rosemaryrichings.com and i'm on i'm on twitter i'm on linkedin i'm on facebook and i'm also on mastodon and instagram periodically Wonderful. Thank you so much. Um, Listeners, please check out the links below to find out more about Rosemary's website and all the social links and 
the book especially. Thank you so much for joining us on the Neurodiverging Podcast today. Please, if you haven't yet, take a minute to subscribe if you're on a platform that allows it, to rate if you're on a platform that allows it. It really helps us get the podcast out there to potential new listeners who might benefit from this information. We welcome your comments, critiques, and other ideas for future podcasts. Leave a comment wherever you are or find us online at neurodiverging.com and leave a comment in the show notes. We'd love to hear your opinions. And let me just plug one more time the Patreon at patreon.com slash neurodiverging. Those monthly pledges really allow us to make this podcast happen. And we thank you so much, patrons, for supporting us. Thanks for listening. And please remember, we are all in this together. Does your father know you're listening to this podcast? Well, when you're done, why don't you stop by and check out a show that is 100% dad-approved, Dadages. Hi there, I'm Chad Higgle. If you're looking for useful insights and practical advice you can actually apply to work, family, education, philanthropy, and just life in general, check out Dadages. That's D-A-D-A-G-E-S, wherever you listen to your podcasts.